Welcome to the Blueprint for Better Business podcast, hosted by me, Charles Wookie. 11 years ago, I co-founded the charity, A Blueprint for Better Business, with the aim of helping create a better society through better business. I ran it for 10 years, working mostly with leaders of large companies who, for their own reasons, have sought to transform their businesses to become purpose-led. In this series, we're speaking to some of these leaders and change makers and explore the realities of creating purpose-led businesses. This is always both a personal and organizational challenge. So the conversations explore both the personal motivation of these leaders, as well as what they've done and learned in their leadership roles. In different ways, they're all pioneers of a way of thinking and acting, which releases the latent potential of people and puts business at the service of creating a better world. But the stories are always personal and different. My successor, Sarah Gillard, and I have found them all inspiring, and we hope you do too. If you enjoy this podcast, please take the time to leave a review. It helps others to find it. Thank you. Today, my guest is Vince Clancy, who joined the construction consultancy Turner & Townsend in 1989 as a graduate. In 2008, he became the CEO and chairman and has been leading a diversification of the business globally and cementing its reputation as an industry leader and delivering complex programs ever since. The reason I wanted to talk to Vince was because he has not only led a highly profitable and successful professional services consultancy, but also decided to transform that business into becoming a purpose-led one. Uh, And I was very keen to understand more about his own journey and why he had done what he'd done with the business and what he was learning through the process. So, Vince, thanks very much for joining me today to talk about purpose and your business. And what I'd like to do is to split the conversation into kind of two bits, really. First of all, to talk to you about your own journey personally and why you do what you do and what uh, and it gives you joy at work and what have you, what your own personal purpose, I suppose, is really what I'd like to explore. And then and then the business and what you've done on your leadership role of the business. You've been running it for eight years. You've been chairman and CEO. More than that, actually. 14. 14. 14. 14. Yeah, yeah. Feels like 48. But, but. <laughs> so, and then, you know, just at the end, maybe looking at the wider system and your your thoughts on that. So why do you do what you do? Well, firstly, I, I'm in an industry I love. So uh, I've been uh, in construction for a long time and, and my passion for it hasn't weared off, actually, because, you know, it's such an important industry uh, for society. So I, I love the industry I'm in. I love the fact I'm working for a company that's really ambitious about changing that industry for the better. Uh, and, uh, you know, all of our efforts are around how we're going to transform this industry and and i can see that progress we're making and that really excites me and i'm lucky enough to work with some brilliant individuals you know we, we've got ten thousand colleagues around the world who are very inspiring and i just love the interaction and you know gaining success together so i'm really lucky that i've got a job i like people i like in an industry i like that's a wonderful combination too so what influenced your choice of career why did you end up going in the direction you went well, my father was a builder, so I think right. uh, I, a lot of my younger life was with my father going to building sites he was involved with and seeing what he was doing, which obviously uh, piqued my interest. Uh, a lot of my wider relationships, my father was an immigrant from Ireland. A lot of his relatives were in the building industry. So I, I grew up very much in a community where a lot of the people I was dealing with day to day were involved in some shape or form with development or construction. And that was from some very successful uh, developers through to some trades 
Uh, and I just got really interested by the, the the whole ecosystem, really. And I could see the fact that you could progress and that there was a real substance to, to the industry. You know, you actually produced something. It was very, very visible what you did. So, yeah, I was quite good with numbers at school. I was quite good at solving problems. And therefore, surveying construction economics seemed like a, a good career for me. And I put the two things together and and the rest is history. So, it's like, you went. Oh, yeah. you went. So, would you say... You know, your own sense of what you want to achieve in, in life, which your work has evolved, I suppose your personal purpose, as some people will talk about that. How would you, how would you characterize that? Somebody says, well, you know, what really motivates you? I think that you do change with age, don't you? I mean, I, I think certainly someone once said to me, you know, you spend your first third of your life learning, your second, third doing, and your third giving something back. And, and I think that's broadly probably true. You know, I, I think uh, certainly from my career point of view, you know, my, my early career was very much about progression and being ambitious about my own personal career and what I could achieve. But as you get older and achieve more success, I think you start to look at life from a much wider perspective. You know, for me, the business success and the success of the people around you becomes more important. The impact you're having on society and the recognition you get for that becomes more important. Uh, and as I'm in my twilight in my career, I suppose, you know, legacy becomes really important to me about what I can leave behind. And, you know, how I can leave a business behind and a set of people behind that are going to really thrive without me. So, you know, I think it does, your, your purpose does change. And obviously when you're young with kids, you've got a lot of stuff you've got to deal with as you go through your career, you, you know, what's important to you changes. Absolutely. I think. And what would you say gives you most joy? Quite a few things, actually. I mean, I think, uh, as I said, we are one of our real drivers behind our business model is to be global, is to set a global standard for our industry and is to create a better way, transform performance. And so when I see us doing that, you know, particularly for me, that's in getting involved in the big impactful programs around the world. When we're appointed to do the big stuff, which matters, you know, that brings a lot of satisfaction and a lot of joy because that's our, our strategy working. At a more human level, you know, just seeing our people grow, you know, one of my big jobs is to bring talent through. Yeah. Uh, and when you see talent flourish and when you see the people you've invested in getting success, you know, I think that brings a lot of joy and, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a role where I travel the world globally and, you know, I've got so many friends of the business around the world where I've seen them come in and, and, and develop and prosper within our business and, and end up a lot better than I was when I was doing what they were doing. You know, I, I get a lot of joy out of that and I get a lot of joy out of building customer advocacy, you know. For us being admired for what we do yeah. and the customer feedback that we're working and really solving some of the big problems mm -hmm. that we are working in a way which, you know, is uh, ethical and customers admire us for the way we do business as well as what we do. Yeah. I think brings a lot of joy as well. Yeah. So Vince, I want to talk a little bit now about, ask you a bit about T&T, the company you've been running, as you say, for 14 years. Yeah. And just as I've been there, 34 years. You've been so. there 34 okay. <laughs> So I joined as a graduate, so oh, yeah. Boy. Yeah. So you've seen, you've seen the business grow and of course you've led its development and with a very, very strong, consistent uh, growth story and profitability story. So it's quite interesting that you should have mid-term during your leadership, you kind of looked at the business and asked questions around purpose. I mean, often companies start doing that when they've got a burning platform or where there've been some difficulties and they're kind of trying to rethink what they do in order to reset themselves in yeah. the market but you didn't have that problem you were doing fine so what was it that got you to to think about this whole wider area of being a purpose-led company a couple of reasons really well what was a bit of serendipity in the sense that at the time i was working with ian powell or ian powell was giving me some advice who's ex-senior yeah. partner of ewc and he was just giving me some advice generally around 
what we were doing and he was acting as a bit of a mentor to me. And I brought him through our, our great Vision 2025 strategy one day. And, and he said to me, that's brilliant, but what's your purpose? And I said, I'm saying, that is our purpose. You know, we're, that's what we're going to do here. And he explained to me, no, but you've got to, you've got to be able to explain that in the context of purpose. And I hadn't really reflected on that before. I'd never heard of it before, actually. So that's why I sort of decided that I needed to get curious about that and understand it and see if, if I was missing something. And obviously, when I, once I started to look at it, I absolutely realized that it was something that Whilst we didn't have a burning bridge in terms of need to change business performance or, you know, problems with regulators or anything like that, you know, in the culture of the business, what I did see was it would be a great unifier for us. And the burning bridge for me really was the fact that we had a business that was growing very rapidly. We were doubling in size every five years. Yeah. And we continued to do that, uh, that we were, you know, dispersed across 45 markets. Yeah. That we were working for a diverse set of industries, a diverse set of clients. So to have something that could act as our golden thread and be our North star that really appealed to me. And we were talking at the time already about a thing called the Turner and Townsend way, but that was quite narrow. And what I liked about when I started to look at purpose was the fact that it could be an all encompassing way of the way we did business, what we stood for. And that would help bring a real sense of commonality to the way we approach things, our culture, uh, you know, what we all stood for. And that was that really attracted me actually because I, I was seeing just as a business as you're growing, it's very easy to grow in a in a way which doesn't retain the best of what you are. Yeah. And one of the things I always say to people when they talk about our purpose journey is I, I actually think we were quite purposeful. I don't think it was we weren't purposeful. Yeah. We had all the ingredients. I think about we we knew where our impact was for society. We knew, you know, we we generally worked very ethically. You know, it was very central to us to to do the right thing. Uh, we cared about our people. We cared about relationships. I don't think we put all the things together. So we dealt with them sort of separately. Yeah. And what I really liked about purpose was it brought them all back together. And actually, you know, you could see how they're all intertwined and actually by dealing with the wall and getting balance to the way we thought was going to be very powerful for us. And that's where we started the journey. So what did you do? Um, we called blueprint for business. <laughs> it's been like a ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, we were recommended Ian recommended it we uh, business, and I think we picked up the phone yeah. to you, Charles, actually, and uh, to some of your colleagues, and we asked you to come in and talk to us about it. And um, that started a long journey, actually. You know, a journey which you know we're, we're what five, six years into now. But what we did do actually at the time we called you was we we stopped a lot of the stuff we were doing because we were going down various avenues trying to deal with this thing we were calling it in the TNT way, which was trying to create this uh, unifier for us. But we realized that was a bit transactional. Yeah. And it yeah. was a very much a top-down leg. Yeah. Let's get a purpose statement. Yeah. And it wasn't even doing that at the time. As I say, we weren't really looking at it from a purpose point of view. But then we were looking at it from, you know, how do we achieve that? So purpose seemed a much better way. Mm. Uh, and that meant we slowed down, yeah. we paused, and we reset. And I, I'm so glad we did because I, I think we've got, you know, where we got to five years later, there's still a long way to go. And I one of the things... I suppose I've learned about purpose. You never get there. So it's a, it's a, you know, you've got to keep on with the journey, but I think we're in a much better place for taking that pause and really deeply thinking through how all these things connect. Yeah. And most importantly for us, I think in terms of the journey was we got the whole business involved in helping us define what our purpose was. Right. And that, you know, once again, that being not being top down, but being bottom up in the middle and at the top meant that I think we've got something which is really authentic, which is an important part of what we wanted to achieve. And one of the things I remember at one of your purpose meetings, you have this um, chairman's group yeah. that you, you, you know, you gave that permission to play. Didn't you? Yeah. You produced this brilliant video about here's the tier, tier of the future that we can see as a, 
addressing the needs of sustainability in the industry. I mean, it's full of huge global strategic issues that the industry needs to change and needs to address some new sustainability and moving towards a, a better future in terms of climate and also you know, society. So what would you say are some of the key things you learned? I mean, you've mentioned one already about involving group yeah. and not rushing this. Are there other things that you would say you learned as you went along on this journey to become purpose-led? And it is, as you say, it's something you're still working out and it's not ever a done thing because it's not a project. But what would you say some of the other learnings that I think you've taken from it? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one for me would be patience. Because I think, and the what I really learned was it was much harder to get something. When a blueprint, I think, have a brilliant set of objectives or I don't know if you call them objectives but attributes of a good purpose yeah well actually not that but the attributes of a good purpose you say it's got to be practical authentic and inspiring yeah and in some ways they fight against each other (laughs) so you know they sort of the you know so um what I was really really keen to do of all those objectives you know of course I wanted something inspiring Uh, I wanted something which was practical but getting something that was authentic was really important to me because one of the other things I think with purpose is, you know, don't start it unless you're prepared to go for the whole journey right. because all you're going to do is it, it, hard and you're, you're putting a mirror up to yourself as a, as individuals and as a, as a business, which are sometimes is very uncomfortable. And I think if you, if you try and transact with it, if you try and gloss over it, if you don't really do it authentically, I think it's, it's quite dangerous. It'll have the, the reverse mm. impact. You'll lose all credibility. So what I learned really was that, that, that was tough trying to, get everyone to coalesce around really understanding what our purpose was or uncovering our purpose. And I like that sort of comment that you yeah. uncover your purpose yeah. rather than you, you create it. Yeah. And where we got to, I think everyone loves, you know, they, they sort of, it, it, we took us a long time getting there. And as yeah. I say, we're still on the journey, but through that point of having patience, getting everyone or a large part of the business involved in the conversation, really taking time to deeply understand what it meant and, and understand what purpose meant, I think would be my biggest learning. Don't transact a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And interesting, I mean, now you more recently, the, the business has grown and it continues to grow as you just uh, tell me before we started this, this recorded conversation, which is amazing. Uh, you've also got now a 60% owner in the yeah. CBRE in the States. So there's more investment coming into, into Turner and Chatter. So can you keep your purpose with an owner who's owned 60% of you? To what extent is that seen by them as an important part of your identity? Do you see it being robust to the change in ownership of the partnership? I think our purpose was right at the heart of our decision-making around that transaction. So one of the reasons we did the the transaction was, again, we were in a position of strength. We didn't need to take an investment. But one of the things we saw, and going back to our impact on society, was that we had a real opportunity to accelerate the transformation of our industry. Yeah, We saw the thematics of demand coming around the transition to net zero, the need to rebuild infrastructure, the need to rebuild the cities around the world, some of the emerging markets. And we just saw our ability to have impact would be accelerated if we could get a partner who could give us more access to capital. Our ability under our partnership structure to take risk was relatively limited. Yeah. So it freed our ability up to take risk. So, you know, very much it was linked to the impact we want to have. But the way we did it was also very much linked to our purpose mm-hmm. because at the heart of, I think, what's made us successful is long-term thinking. Yeah. It's our structure where we, our partnership structure, which we retained under the new structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we did a transaction in a way which we felt absolutely kept our purpose intact yep. and accelerated our impact part of it. And we chose a partner that we believed was very ethical, who shared a lot of our culture, a lot of our characteristics. Uh, and once again, we did an off-deal transaction. We could have gone to market and we could have 
you know, done an auction. If, if it was about value, we'd yeah. gone to market, we'd done an auction. It was absolutely in the heart of our thinking was to create an inflection point for the business, which would allow us to be more impactful, yeah. but would retain our long-term thinking and allow us to keep the legacy of how we're going to look after talent in the future, which is our partnership model. Right. That's very helpful. So if we think about, you described the, the, the journey that China Chance had been on becoming more purpose-led, one of the pushbacks against this kind of approach is, oh, well, there's always going to be a trade-off between purpose and profits. And, you know, a purpose-led company by definition means a less profitable company because they're thinking about other things making money. I imagine that within your partnership, there will be different views and have been different views about what purpose of G&T is and whether this is a good idea or not. What have you actually seen as been the obstacles to creating a common cohesion within TNT around this? How do you think about purpose and profit and what other obstacles have you had to address? Yeah, I mean, I, I as I said earlier, I do, I do think we were, in terms of the way we run the business, manage the business, our, our business ethics, I think we were pretty purposeful anyway. Yeah. And therefore, in terms of the ownership of the business, our partners, I think they were already aligned with the fact that uh, life wasn't all about making money and that we needed to balance that off with, you know, long-term thinking, long-term investment, as I said, you know, building and investing to, to make what we did more impactful. So I think we had quite a good starting point. Mm. I, I'd also say, you know, one of the things I've explained to the partners and where we talked about a lot is the fact that I, I think it's benevolent self-interest, you know, and I love that term, benevolent self-interest, because making money isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Making money in the wrong way is a bad thing. And therefore, I think creating a business model where clients want to work with you because you do business in the right way and because you're impactful in what you do, and creating a business model where talent wants to work for you because they can see that you do have impact and that you do care and that you are going to treat them as someone, I, I think absolutely means that you've got a business model that's going to be better than your competitors. And as you know, I'm quite competitive. Indeed. And I don't apologize for that. I think, you know, being purposeful isn't about sacrificing profit. It's about balancing issues. Yeah. You make profit in the long term yeah. and you don't let the short term get in the way of the long term. But what I really like too about what you said is benevolent. It's not as it were using other people because you just worked out no. that's a clever way to make more money. You know, somebody who genuinely cares for others and the impact that they have through their work and what they do in the business is different from somebody who makes a calculation that if I pretend to care or look as if I'm yeah. caring, then we're going to do better. And that's why the long-term thinking, I think, really is an important part of being a purposeful company. I think if you've got short-term horizons, it's very difficult to be purposeful, I think. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things we have got is, I, mean, I take, you know, our investment in Africa as an example, you know, yeah. you, you don't invest in Africa in the short term to make a lot of return. Yeah. But when we look at the impact we want to have and the problems that are over in Africa that need to be solved, yeah. and the longer term uh, thematics around it, you know, we know we should be there, but it will be generations ahead of us who will benefit from that, not yeah. current set of barkers. So I yeah. think having that long-term view uh, is a really important part of being a purposeful business. What's the biggest mistake you've made, Vince? Well, I'm lucky enough to touch wood. I'm touching wood and both. I'm, pretty, I'm a bit superstitious. I'm touching the, the table with two hands. I haven't made any sort of glamorous business where we wiped out business and stuff like that. I think my biggest mistake has been around impatience, actually, just going back to, you know, and trying to do too much at the same time. Uh, and through doing that, you know, I think there's been times where I've sort of been too relentless in terms of driving the business to do too much at once. And I think one of the great things I've done from the work I've done with Blueprint and, you know, the work we've done reflect on purpose and actually meeting lots of our organizations going through similar journeys has been this idea of balance. Mm. 
And I think at times in my career, I haven't been as balanced as I should have been. Right. And that's caused either pain for our people or it's caused pain for yeah. the business in terms of uh, not getting that balance right. I remember even when I started the the purpose journey with you, Charles, you know, I was I, I loved it because I, I like the impact part. I, yeah, I yeah. wanted the impact part of what we could do for society. And, you know, I'm very passionate about, you know, the fact that construction plays a huge part in everyone's prosperity. And I could see we needed to do more. But, you know, one of the great things that, you know, I got through the journey was absolutely you've got to balance your relationships. You've got to balance your, your creating that conditions for your people to, to succeed. And you've got to balance that impact. And right. perhaps my biggest mistakes is where I haven't really been able to, you know, I haven't really took enough care about balancing those three things. Yeah. So actually that leads me to just another thought, which is as you mature in this, to take a balanced decision, so you need as a, you know, a leader of a large organization, you need to have a sense of where you're in balance and where you're out of balance. So if success is a more complex thing now, because they're not just looking at financials, they're still important, but they're not the only thing you look at. How has Becoming Purpose changed what you seek to measure and manage? First thing I'd say is, I think going back to something I made earlier was that, you know, we were doing a lot of purposeful things. So yeah. we were thinking about how we look after our people. We were thinking about how do we, you know, have impact on what we do, et cetera. But I think we used to disconnect them sometimes in our decision-making. Okay. So when there was a decision about finance, we go to our finance hat. When there was a decision about our people, we go to our people hat. But often we weren't balancing all those things, or certainly they weren't in the conversation to the extent they needed to be. Yeah. And I think the biggest change for me, and it's been great even to the point where, you know, our finance director now is, is often the one putting forward the, the, the counterbalances around our people or whatever, whereas that would never have happened before. So I think it's widened. One of the great things for me of our leadership team is it's got everyone to start to look through a common set of lenses. Right. Now, we don't always agree with the balance of those lenses, but we're certainly not taking decisions which don't take them all into account. And I think that's the start, first start of the journey. And, you know, you know, I often refer to all the decisions we took uh, during COVID. You know, I, I think the purpose really helped us during that period because it really gave us a framework against which to test everything we were doing. And, of course, during that time, we were doing things we'd never had to do before. We were responding to a level of uncertainty we'd never seen before. And even to the point, you know, once again, at the, at the end of COVID, when we got through it, you know, when we we, we, we gave back our, our funds we got from the British government in further, we gave it all back. Now, we didn't need to. A lot of organisations haven't, but... Because we were put the purposeful lens on it, yeah. you know, we just didn't think we should benefit from taxpayers' money because the business had done okay. So we never would have done that in the past. And that wasn't because we were bad. It's just we wouldn't have connected the, you know, our, our obligations to society with our business success. We'd have just said, that's great. We've made more money. We're right the arm. Let's move on. Whereas we started to look through the lenses that, yeah, we could do that. But actually, is that right? And, it, and it, we felt as a team, it wasn't right. And we gave it back. So that was a very really sort of practical example. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're looking at things in a different way. So you've been leading the business on this journey. As as you said, you, you've changed. You've thought about, I remember we had a conversation, you said it's all about relationships, isn't it? And I said, yeah, it's all about relationships. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, an interesting question, well, in, a, in, a, in any friendly organization, is how you sustain this in the long term. So how do you think about that? Because I know, you know, for everything you said, you care passionately about this, and, um, you know, what TNT and what you want it to be in the longer term future. So... How do you think about that? How do you sustain this? I think partly that goes back to, to an answer to your earlier question, which is you've got to do it in a very authentic way. Yeah. And if it's authentic, then I think it's much easier to, to sustain. I think secondly, you know, we've anchored it absolutely in our business strategy. So, you know, we've got our purpose and our business strategy responds to the purpose. So it's all about transforming our industry. It's all about making our industry more inclusive. It's all about 
uh, making our industry greener and helping that transition to that zero. So very much, you know, our business strategy reflects our purpose. That means every day in the boardroom when we're taking our decisions, you know, we are doing that in the context of our purpose. We've also really looked at our values and, you know, you know, our values very much reflect once again our purpose and we did that in tandem and the behaviours we wanted to see in the business to try and create the conditions in the business that were going to make it better for our people. So I think we felt about it in a very joined up way. So we've linked purpose to strategy, to values, to behaviours. And of course, as you grow, one of the challenges we've got, we're growing very, very rapidly. We've got lots of new people joining the business, the different cultures around the world. Yeah. So the only answer is you've got to keep, you know, it's all part of our, our reduction processes and it's all part of our onboarding processes and it's all part of all our internal comms and all geared around trying to socialize it. But the other big thing we've done is our leadership programs. Mm-hmm. So our leadership program, so what is that? well, we've built leadership programs for a large cross section of our leadership from everyone who manages someone. Mm-hmm. So we call it license to lead. Okay. Um, and also we've got a, a global senior leadership program, which is for the more senior level of leaders in the business. And both those programs start with purpose. For the license to lead, it's talking about how do we respect our colleagues and how do we create an environment where our colleagues can thrive, which is yeah. absolutely linked to our purpose. And for our leadership, it's really getting them to understand how, you know, the role they've got to play in aligning our strategy of our purpose, aligning our decision making of our purpose, aligning the way we create relationships and, and deal with our people. So by getting our leadership and our managers sort of constantly invested in, in terms of their understanding, I'm hoping that will be another way in which we'll, we'll sustain the, the journey. And as I said, I don't think you've ever reached the end of the journey. So, and there's many more things we're doing. And uh, I think that the celebrate success part of connecting success back to purpose, mm. I think it's another important part. So one of the things that, that we've talked about this in other, in other forums where we've brought leaders together, people sometimes say, well, you know, all this purpose stuff is fine for big corporates, but for professional services, it's, you know, their job and their purpose is simply to help their clients achieve their purposes. I mean, the idea that you should have a point of view, I mean, surely we're here to make money as consultants in simply helping our clients. So is doing what you've done, is it harder, do you think, in professional services firms? Is it different? So you've actually created something here, which is quite distinctive in terms of what you now say Team Key does and stands for and what its identity is. Is it harder in professional services? I think it can be because I think there's a few characteristics of professional services generally which sort of mitigate against it. One of them is, I do think, because of the partnership and ownership structure of a lot of professional services companies, there is short-term thinking does provide right. over long-term. You know, you, you it's an income model, isn't it, generally, and therefore the more income you may do in your, your tenure as a leader of a professional services company, that's what you, you judge yourself on often. So I think that can mitigate against that long-term thinking. Mm. I think often professional services firms are federations rather than companies, if you know what I mean. They're, they're not one single organisation. They're many organisations, and I think probably to get alignment within that context would be a bit harder. And then, as you say, I think, you know, particularly in certain professional services companies, the success of the leadership comes from their ability to generate fees. Right. Which, yeah. can, once again, create the wrong environment. Yeah. for good relationships, you know, and all those other things we talked about. That said, I'd say there, there are some of the conditions that might mitigate against it. I'd say any progressive professional services company now knows that customers expect them to be purposeful companies. They expect them to have social value. They expect them to be really ethical in the way they do business. And if they don't adapt and are progressive in that way, I don't think they'll survive anyway. 
And secondly, more importantly, perhaps even in the short term, is talent won't yeah. go to companies that are transactional. You know, we all, professional services company, the one condition they have got is they're absolutely reliant on talent. And therefore, yeah, once again, that should give them a real opportunity to embrace that talent, to motivate that talent, to get that talent involved in the conversation. So I think there are some conditions, but I don't think any professional services company can exist outside of really embracing it and, and creating the conditions where they are going to attract that talent. So Vince, I'd, I'd like to finish by just sort of zooming out slightly. So one question that really just follows from what we've just been talking about. What advice would you have for an emerging leader who wants to run a purpose-led business? Would be a number of things, actually. Firstly, understand it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it took me a long time to understand it, Frank, and I still probably don't understand it as well as I should. But I'd firstly say understand it and take time to understand it and talk to others who've been through the journey. I think, yeah, we're very keen to, to be part of that conversation of where we can help. I think second, be really patient and don't treat it as a project, but treat it as a journey. Uh, and patience is a really important part of that journey. And I think the third thing, which, you know, it was a big learning lesson to me, which we, we talked about earlier on, I think, was involve everyone in the conversation. Yeah. Because I think, you know, as leaders, when you're a CEO, you, you, generally people look at you to come up with the answer, come up with the direction, come yeah. up with a big, big idea. Uh, whereas this is one of the few things where actually it's better for the CEOs not to be at the back of the room and, and, and observing and, and listening and, you know, using it as a real opportunity for to get a, a real mirror into the organization about people, what people care about, uncovering that purpose we talked about yeah, uh, and listening more. And, and you know, I, I really, and I'm doing it so much more now and lots of other things, you know, it's really taught me the power of that. And, you know, you get so much more from involving and listening and, you know, using the power of your organization to help you come up with the, the solutions. Great. And then one last question, which is, yeah, business is evolving to meet the needs of society, societal changes are changing. We've got these huge systemic issues the world is facing around climate change, social inequality, and we can both list lots more things. And you're there as a as a pioneer, professional services firm, I would say, that's really taken this agenda seriously and this is is taking steps to put it into practice. But when you stand back and look at the system in which you operate or clients operate, if there was one thing that you could change, one lever you could pull that might make a difference to advancing purpose-led business becoming in a way the normal business, the default form of, of business and society. What would that be? That's a question. Uh, can I have two answers? Can yeah, I two, yeah. two things? Then? I, mean, I think <laughs> firstly is that the time horizon over which we measure success. Uh, and I think to do anything that has real meaning and is purposeful and substantial, you need time and yeah. you need to have the, the time to to recreate the conditions you need to be purposeful. Yeah. And that, that really, you know, the relentlessness of short-term pressures, I think, really fights against that. You know, we're seeing great examples of that, aren't we, at the moment with climate change, where, you know, all the commitments given by countries and by companies as well, you can see them rowing back from it at the moment because of the short-term pressures, you know, and this sort of juxtaposition between long-term, short-term. And I, you know, the one, if I, one thing I think would be much better is if we could take a longer-term lens on, on success, yeah. Measure measure companies over a longer term rather than quarter to quarter, year to year. Year to year. Yeah. Okay. It's one. Got two ones. So what's your two? I'm trying to remember one now, but um, I, I think the other one was about perhaps having a better definition of what value is. Okay. Because yeah. we're all we're all consumers. Yeah. And I think we can be quite transactional about how we want to consume. 
Yes. And therefore, I think often the, the measure is cost rather than those that wider social value. And I think, you know, and I, I think particularly governments around the world, but also big corporates around the world, I think we could set the standard by uh, being much more balanced in the way we create demand through how we put value on, uh, how we select and how we consume. Yes. If you're going to create value for society, yeah. if I kind of talk about the services doing it, what is that value and how do we think about it? Or yeah. really the money and then not go and clog its terms. Well, those are great. Vince, thank you ever so much for your time and for your candor and for what you said, which I think a lot of people will find operational and very helpful. Thank you, Charles. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blueprint for Better Business podcast. To find out more about the charity, visit blueprintforbusiness.org or use the link in the show notes. And I can be found at charleswickyassociates.com. You can subscribe to new episodes wherever you get your podcasts and do leave us a review. It helps others to find the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.